Hello, everybody. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. Today, I have um, a very interesting guest that I just randomly met online because I said, hey, come be on my show. So welcome to 321, Tino. Very happy to be here. Yeah, same here. So can you kick us off by sharing a little about yourself, where maybe where you are, family, um, and why you're on an addiction show? Yes, yes. I'm actually excited to be here to share a little bit of my story. Yes, my name is Tino Molina, Cuban Puerto Rican from Miami, um, residing in Naples, Florida, doing kind of two programs at the same time, you know, alcoholics and gamblers. Uh, I, I got both addictions. I'm not free to tell people of my past and who am I and my illnesses. And if I could reach somebody out there and make a difference in their life, that's that's what I'm all about. Um, my decision to stay sober, I'm five months now, both gambling and with alcohol was based on experience I had with my daughter and motivated me to change as in my last 25 years, I've been in and out of meetings, never took it serious. And um, something happened different this time in January that allowed me to stay the course. I'm still young, still wet in my ears, and I'm um, just, just excited right now about life. Um, it's a different, different norm for me, for sure. Wow, you just told me a few things so that I want to dig into. You said you've been in and did I hear you right saying you've been in and out of the rooms for 25 years? Yes, ma'am. Was that just for gambling, just for alcohol or both? It, it was prior for the wrong reasons why I was in the rooms. It was either to get something or gain something because I wasn't serious. Yes, most of my issues in life are because of alcohol and um, made really bad decisions uh, when I drank, of course, like we all do. Some of us do. Um, I believe that um, when I when it comes into my body, I become a monster or a person of bad decisions where multiple DUIs, divorces, and one thing leads to the other. You know, one addiction leads to the other. If you want to stop one, you go into the other one. So it's been both alcohol and um, and gambling, most alcohol. Um, the reason I say in and out of the room, because I never worked the steps. I never had a sponsor. I never took it serious. I wanted to gain something. I wanted people to see what I was doing so I could convince somebody, manipulate somebody, which is our behavior, that I was really changing. And and, and I want to be honest about that, that I finally am, am working a little bit with, with a sponsor and slowly um, walking this life and understanding more of my illness. Thank you for your honesty. You said something so important that on a personal level for me, I struggle with this, with the, with the folks that are impacted by addiction in my life, um, especially because I'm in this arena, right? So I show up, show my face. Everybody wants to tell me what they're doing to recover or do these hoops, but I can tell when they're not doing the work. I can see through the bullshit. Yeah. And, and the real secret is you're not bragging about the stuff. You're not showing up like with bad intentions, like for whatever reason that becomes very clear. So um, I really respect your honesty about even acknowledging that motivation. So that's, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Just, just out of curiosity, did you gamble and drink at the same time? Yes. <laughs> a lot of times. Okay. Um, yeah. Because uh, 
when you gamble, when you actually drink, it's for a reason. It's to hide something, you know. My upbringing in Miami was kind of tough. If anybody can relate with with pain, uh, that's the definition of my life. It was a tough upbringing. And saw my father drink at a young age. I learned that behavior. Not that he did it in front of me all the time, but I knew he was intoxicated and, and doing drugs. Uh, I still love him, respect him, man, you know. But he, he told me not to fall in that category of that behavior. And um, and it's something that's been in my life for a long time. You know, it's, it, it's hard to shake, you know. And when you finally look in the mirror and say, you know, how long is this going to go for? You know, how many people am I going to hurt? How many people am I going to bullshit? Like you said, you know, why was I going to the room so for my ex-wife to give me a chance back? Oh, I'm staying busy. I'm working out, but I wasn't working this. I was telling people like they're telling you, oh, I'm doing this and I'm five months and I'm seven months. I've done this before. This is a, this is a broken record. I just feel not excited. You know, I just feel that when you do the work, you know, and when you live in the moment, instead of you saying, well, I'm, I, I, I'm doing this for myself and I save more money than ever because I'm staying clean. I'm going to the gym three hours. I don't have a chance to drink, but how much of the homework are you doing? How much of your steps are you doing? Are you cleaning after the meetings? Are you talking to another person that can identify your illness? Are you really doing the work or are you really just kind of going by and you're going to relapse again? That's what happened in my life eight, 10, 12 times, you know, and until you take it serious, and to you understand that it really is a spiritual program, that there is a change in your life if you if you submit to it and you just let go, man, the results are amazing. It's just incredible. Oh, you're saying so many good things that I love. Uh, it's interesting that you bring up spirituality because um, that is when you were talking. What kept going on in my head was there's a difference between abstinence and recovery. And for me, that definition is spirituality because I never had that. Like I had two and a half years away from a bet, but <clears throat> I never went down the spirituality. I never made it to step 11. And then after rehab, I took step 11 very serious. I went to church. I meditated. I like investigated all the things. So there is something about doing the work. It doesn't mean that I necessarily go to church every Sunday now or whatever, but right. there's something about that piece of the journey. Um, so can I be nosy? Like was spirit, like what does spirituality slash religion look like for you? Um, did you have much exposure in life? What do you mean by it in the context of your sobriety now? Do you mind sharing that? I know it's kind of personal. Excellent question. And again, I'm an open book. It's an excellent question that can reach a lot of people and how to experience. I'll tell you a couple of things. I was saved at 12 years old. I believe in, in, in the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. I believe in God. My mother was a very founded, grounded Christian woman. I believe I'm alive because of her prayers. It's just that my mother was strict with me. And I, as I was growing up, having that reeking and keeping blood in me and being in the city of Miami, my father was in prison most of the time. My mother had to work two jobs. In and out of the room for 20, 25 years. I never really read the steps. I never looked at them. I never really worked them. And when it talks about a higher power or that spiritual awakening, um, I'm going to relate back to my daughter. My daughter got in trouble in January. I'll make it really brief. It's the reason why I'm sober right now. Go, going back to spirituality, I was always raised in spirituality. I've I, I been a man of God since I was a little kid, whether it was forced through me to my mother, but I picked up a lot of things 
that have helped me be where I'm at today, alive. Let's put it that way. So when I went into the program and I was telling you, in and out, 15, 20, 25 years, never received anything from me. I didn't like the bad words in the meetings. I didn't like the guys that were vulgar because I thought, you know what? But when you actually look at the steps and it talks about a higher power, it could be anything. It could be, it could be this bottle of Pepsi. It could be a Buddha because people do not take that step because, oh, I don't believe in Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to be about God. It could be a cup. It could be a tennis ball. Folk, that's your higher power. Continue with your steps. So to answer your question, the program is very much based on higher power. To me, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And in combination with, because I go to church and I go to meetings, I think it's perfect for my walk and for my sobriety. Love that. Okay, so let's go back to why did you? Why is it working this time? What inspired you to quit? You know, being being from the city, I live in a nice town called Naples, but my my mother, my ex-wife, and my kids are in Miami. And she trusted how good the upbringing was for my daughter, also in a Christian home. And my daughter in the last three years has been behaving bad and tasted um, pills in Miami. And she almost lost a friend on Christmas Eve. A 15-year-old girl was intubated. They found her in the house, salivating, eyes rolling. She almost died. It was a wake-up call for me and my ex-wife because, hey, we didn't know my daughter was in this kind of behavior. You know, um, kids coming over to the house, spending the night. Nice kids, but we never checked on her. We never. I'm, I'm taking fault, even though I don't live in Miami. I live 100 miles away. Um, but I'm responsible for that action. So my daughter having an addiction at such a young age, at 15 years old, I found out and saying that I wasn't in her life because of alcohol and my DUIs and I never had a license. I already made a decision to stop drinking prior to her having a Zoom meeting with me when she was in rehab in January. And she says, Daddy, I know when you're not drinking. And, and that's the daddy that I love. And she was in, in a place where she couldn't talk to anybody, visit, nobody could visit her. She was in a hard place and trying to identify what happened in her life the last three years. Um, that gave me a wake-up call that at this stage in my life, not only for me, but for my kids, I needed to be there. Somebody's telling you, hey, listen, you haven't been there in my life. I've been begging you to be in my life. You don't have a car. You don't have a license. Consequences of the DUIs. Consequences of my behavior. I said, you know what? I looked at her in the eye, just like I'm looking at you. I said, baby, I love you. And if I let you down, I apologize. You know, I thought taking her to places and taking her to eat and bringing her to Naples for the weekend was enough. My daughter needed me. And the times that I failed and I let myself down and I lost my homes and my jobs and my cars because of alcohol, she missed me in those years. She needed me. And because of that, maybe she established some kind of habit or addiction. She's doing great right now. I promised her on January. It was like January 15th. I was already six, seven days sober that I wouldn't drink again. And so far, um, I've held my part. I know it's only five months, but, um, but I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of excited to see what this program is going to do for me in my life and be an example to my kids. I have to acknowledge it's not only five months. Okay. So, so let's change the language there. Tino. I know. That's a big accomplishment. And I love, 
Ooh, you're going to get me emotional. Um, I love that you are working on it, but I also love all the things that you recognized about your daughter because that was her once upon a time, but my biological father didn't stand up and take responsibility the way of the things that you're talking. Yeah, He, he didn't ever notice that the actions and his addictions impacted. And now on the journey that I'm on and, and, you know, talking to random strangers and understanding stories and the way life played out. And I don't blame him for anything. He was sick, right? Like he had addiction too, but I, as the more I learned about myself, the more I learned my decisions were based on the things I saw. So you literally could be changing and you are changing the whole trajectory of your daughter's life right now. And, and I don't know how to capture that, like in a little bubble, but that's a big freaking deal. Like that's a really big deal. So it's not about time. It's about what you're, you're showing up for yourself and you're showing up for her. And it goes back to that piece about the bullshit, right? Like you're not just talking the game. Oh, I'll do it for you. And don't you be in trouble and don't you be in treatment. And you know what I mean? You're walking the walk. So just really pat yourself on the back for that because you're touching me with that. That's so huge. Um, you have, you, you said kids, so I've heard of the daughter. So what other children do you have? She has a younger brother in Miami. I got a, my youngest kid, um, is 14. Uh, he'll be 14 the 4th of July. He's my firecracker, my 4th of July baby. Love that. She just, she just turned 16. I got another firecracker Memorial Day baby, May 31st. Um, Alexander Molina, he's 23. And my oldest kid is 25. And they both are seeing a lot of the new Tino lately. And they wonder if it's going to last because you've done this before, Daddy. But, yes, I got four beautiful kids, two amazing ex-wives. I have great relationships with them. They know what I'm trying to do. They know what I'm trying to accomplish. And I've apologized to both of them for my behavior in the past. You know, I've hurt a lot of people. I've hurt my family, my sisters, people that have been in my life that have given to me. And, you know, you don't know the mistakes that you make until you're there at that moment. Wow, it happened. And then the people that you affect, you know. So um, I'm happy to be a father. I'm still struggling with my daughter. You know, she doesn't talk to me all the time. She's going through her things. And I put those decaps on the floor for my kids every night because I want to have a better relationship with them. I love that. I love that. You keep every time you say Miami, I have two things that, well, three things that pop in my head. Three of my favorite guys are from Miami. Beto, who invented Zumba. Grant Cardone, who gives me my business mind. And Pitbull, who's on my future husband list because he's just a badass. So his story is very similar. So Miami is very special to me for all these these wonderful men. Miami produces some good results. (laughs) I tell you what, it was a tough upbringing for me. I'm from Little Havana, right um, in the northwest area. I lived close to the Orange Bowl. Big Hurricanes fan. Um, I went to Miami Senior High. I went to Chalandoa. It was a tough upbringing in Miami. I was in Miami during the cocaine cowboys days in the 80s. Walking to the bus stop, I see people get stabbed. It was crazy, the upbringing. And not having my father there with me all the time, you know, made me a strong kid. So um, I go back to my roots and I always give my city, you know, a little salute, even though I don't like going there because traffic is terrible. My whole family's in Miami. And I'm here in Naples by myself with a couple of cousins. 
Yeah. I, I, I think for, for regular life, I would pick Naples over Miami too. That traffic makes me bananas. Um, yes. So how I found you was your post, and I don't remember verbatim, but I'm really curious about what inspired you to write that post. It was something similar to, you shared that you were five months clean. You said, if anybody needed anything to message you, it just really resonated with me, which is why I reached out to you. But can you, do you know what you were thinking that day or or what? that was about? Like, why did you share what was on your heart in that moment? And why were you inviting people to reach out to you? I, I was deep in my feelings. You know, I was, it was, to me, it was like, wow, you're right. Little pat in the back. It's five months. You know, I once was told by somebody who was in front of me and said, I, I can see you talking to multitudes of people. I can see you being a difference in people's lives, you know, and I was in the world at that time, which I was drinking. I was gambling. I was, you know, not being a good father. And this guy had a vision of what he saw me. He goes, if you're really serious about, and he didn't know me. It was kind of a spiritual moment, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So every time that, you know, my Facebook is to sell cars. I'm in the car business. I've been doing it for a long time. And to reach out to my family. But I tell my story, you know. And some, I know some, I don't care about women at this moment in my life. Because I'm, even though I got somebody real close to me. But. I don't care about how I carry myself because some people like men to be private. My story has to be told little by little, you know, like I said to you before I did this, I'm not ready to get my testimony yet, but the little things that I've accomplished in my life in this little bit of time, you know, I want people to know that if they're really humble and they're really serious about making a change in their life, at some point, you know, they have to make a decision. And the decision is, I want to make a change in my life. And I was in my feelings that day. And there's people out there right now that are crying. They're by themselves. Abusive relationships. They have an addiction they can't stop. These people can reach out to me. I'm not God. I'm not a savior. But I'll take my time. No matter how much I go to church or how much I go to meetings, I'll eventually answer your message of what things and what little steps you could do. This is about one day at a time. You know? I'm not here for no denomination. I'm not here to mention AA or GA, even though they're very helpful. They're amazing programs. I follow both of them. But what I'm saying is as an individual, I can identify with people right now that are suffering and going through a hard time. So when I do my five months, it wasn't just a celebration. It was just to reach out to that person that was there in that hole that I was five months ago, where I was reaching out and a lot of people walked away from me. And I dig out on my on my own the help of God in me, my strength, and my wanting to change. So if I could share that little bit of story with somebody, and if somebody needed an ear or a little bit of advice, I expressed it that morning um, in the Gamblers Anonymous group, and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to know that I was there for them. Well, I love it. That's how I found you. So um, I-, I was glad that you put it out there. And um, I'm honored to to share you with the world. So you mentioned that I've heard you participate in both 12-step programs. You go to church, yeah. you work out. Um, what are some other recovery strategies that you would share with people that work for you? Well, we always got, I, I think is making time, is, is having the resources. If you understand that you have an illness, 
and there's a group of people. That fellowship is important. Um, things are different now with COVID, with the pandemic, with schedules. We used to have a 10 o'clock meeting here in Naples. It was a candlelight meeting. And I do work to 7, 8 o'clock sometimes. It's important to have the right resources. It's important to, in the middle of that urge, that's why even if you go to five meetings a month to pick up phone numbers of three or four people, that when you get the urge to go back to that person that you used to be, maybe that person can help you. Maybe you can play a YouTube video, listen to, you know, uh, listen to somebody uh, on a speaker meeting that can change your mind about picking up that drink or that chemical or that drug that controls you. Um, so the advice that I give people is that I got, I got a busy schedule. I really have a busy schedule, but I make time for me. And, and, and me time is studying the book, is, you know, talking to my sponsor, going to the meeting when I can't. Um, going to church Wednesday and Sundays, that's important because it keeps me straight and it keeps me honest. Yeah, busy schedule. Grant says that if we have white space on our calendar, that's the devil talking. Um, <laughs> and I, I never heard that before, but it is true, right? That's when we can get in trouble with free time. Yes. Um, before we wrap it up, is there anything that I haven't asked you that is on your heart that you might want to share or anything you want to say to folks out there? You're not alone in, in, your, in your darkest moment and your moment to give up. I had somebody reach out to me last night that she said she wanted to end it all and that my post made a difference in her life. And I sent her a message and I sent her some scriptures that she can use. And the only thing I said is go grab your husband and hug him and your kids because they need you. The, the, the coward way out is to give up. We need to fight. You know, when we're in a situation where we're hurting, you're going to have another day. You're going to wake up next day. You might be hurt. You might cry. People need to, if you're not reaching out to people, if you don't have phone numbers, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you're not going to a meeting, you're going to continue to be in the situation that you're at. And it's okay because God loves you unconditionally, no matter who you are and where you're at in your life right now. You can make a difference by just making a phone call, by going to church one time, going to a meeting. That's all I got to say to people. My excuse was that I didn't have time. My excuse was that I was lying to myself. We need to stop with excuses and be accountable for our behavior and make that change. Oh, I love that. Again, you just dropped so much gold. And you reminded me there was someone in one of the rooms I'm in this week that she was talking about. She wanted to stop gambling online and people suggested Gamban, which is a program over, I think, in um, in Europe and stuff. And then it was, well, I, I read the reviews and, you know, I don't I can't have my phone crash. And then I'm like, well, what's what's cheaper, a new phone or your life? You know, like if, if you if you don't gamble, you can have your life back, like screw the phone. Um, and you use the word excuses. And of course, I, I don't go in the rooms and be like, you're doing excuses. I just challenge people to try to think a little different. And that's what you just reminded me of is it's really <laughs> easy to make the excuses. And I like yeah. what you said, reach out instead, pick up the phone, um, stay connected. And I think staying connected before the urges hit is one of the biggest pieces. If you stay busy and you do that stuff, 
how do you have time to think about gambling and drinking if you're at church, at the gym, spending time yeah. with your family, all of those things, it helps fill those voids. So everything yeah. you said was perfect. Yes, um, well, thank you so much for being here, Tino. Thanks for being with us and sharing everything that you shared tonight. It was fabulous. I was very happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity.